Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Joyful Friar podcast. I'm Father Nathan Castle, your host. Today, I'm excited to share with you a story that's from the second of my two Afterlife Interrupted books. It's a, There's so many of these stories. I have 26 of them that are in print, but this is one of the ones that is just most dear to me. This is going to be the story that I call Claire and Seeley the Stewardess. As you might know, the way this operates in my ministry, people come to me in the night and they bring with them a story that they show me in a dream. Most of the time, almost all the time, it's of their violent sudden death. That can occur in lots of different ways, but once in a while, it's a murder, which was the case in this story. Fortunately, the people who uh, come into my dreams realize that they're moving into the consciousness, the sleeping consciousness uh, of, a, of a person who's trying to help. So it's not gory. It, they just show me enough of uh, what it takes for me to get the idea. So in this story, I'm going to read to you the dream as I received it and wrote it down. I try to write them down right away while they're fresh in my mind. <clears throat> this is how that went. This dream came on April the 15th in 2019. I was alone on the couch in my rural cabin. I heard the turning of the key in the lock. Who could that be? I wasn't expecting anyone. They didn't even knock. I saw through the inner screen door that it was a man possibly in his 40s. He wore a mustache. And a woman was with him. I tried to scream for help. I felt old, frail, and vulnerable. I awoke. I made a note that in this dream, I don't know if I was masculine or feminine, but I was pretty sure I was infirm or disabled. Well, here's how that story operated. You can read it in more detail in the second of the two Afterlife Interrupted books. And if you're interested, I hope you will. You can also get the audio version if you prefer that. Well, it did turn out that much of the detail that I received was correct. The person involved was female. She was an elderly woman. We learned that her name was Claire. It was Clara Ray, but she told us that it sounded too old-timey and that she preferred to just be called Claire and that she liked it because it sounded clear and simple. We learned that she was... Uh, up in years, she lived alone on a dirt road in the forest. She really loved her little home and her life. But she had gotten frail and she took a fall inside her house. She tripped over the edge of a rug and cracked some ribs. So that kind of laid her up on the couch. She had neighbors that brought her food sometimes uh, vegetables from their gardens. 
she had one neighbor lady who had a key to her house, but that woman would usually phone ahead to let her know that she was coming and that she would be letting herself in. Claire was having trouble sleeping in the night because of the cracked ribs, and so she found that she dozed a good deal of the time. And at the time that this story begins, it's, I think, late afternoon. She's dozing on the couch. And as you heard in the dream, she hears a rattling at the door, wondering who could that be. She look up, looked up to find this couple of people. And she told us that she didn't like the looks of it from the beginning. There was something about these two that suggested drugs. She was aware too that our drug abuse problem had moved from big cities into small towns and even into uh, forested places where people could grow marijuana or uh, create places where they cooked other drugs. Anyway, she she, when she realized that there were people she didn't know barging into her house, she told us, I tried to muster myself and defend my home, let them know that they were not welcome. She told us that the man pushed her and she said, that's all it took. She fell and I think hit her head, and that was that. Then she described to us what happened next, which is just uh, so interesting and, and really, to me, inspiring. She had just died on the floor of her own home at the hands of intruders. Isn't that as awful as it can get? You have your own home violated. Well, she went on to say that Yes, it's true that she hit her head, but almost immediately she said, I was swooped up by my guardian. Um, she, she, I think she said his name, he went by Ernie. They all take different names. But she said she was swooped up and placed, not exactly on the roof of her house, but between the roof and the canopy of trees over her house. She knew she was safe. She was uh, under the direction of someone who cared for her. She told us that she was a Christian woman, but she had quit going to church in her frailty because it was just so difficult for her to get out. But she was found herself above her roof in the presence of her guardian. She also told us that her guardian said, now you're safe here, you see. What I want you to do is pretend that you're a dog that has just gone swimming, and I want you to shake hard and shake off all that just happened. Isn't that amazing? Well, there's a little life lesson in there, I think. We can't always make it go away that easily, whatever it is that saddens us and clings to us or even terrifies us doesn't mean we can't try make our best effort and ask um, I, in my case I would ask the Holy Spirit would you please take this little effort of mine and make it uh, super 
effective. Anyway, she did what she was directed to do, and she shook like that dog that had just gone swimming. And then her guardian said an extraordinary thing to her. It's unpleasant here. Let's leave. Isn't that too much? <laughs> the place where you were just murdered in your own home is unpleasant. Let's leave. Well, she was a very practical person with a kind of affect that suggested that she didn't have a better offer. She took in that possibility, although she said before she could even commit to doing it, to he, he was suggesting, let's fly out of here. I want you to get on my back. Well, somewhere down the line, she had watched a television show about tandem skydiving. I didn't know anything about tandem skydiving, except you're attached to the person who knows what they're doing, even if you've never done it before. I thought you'd be on their back, but I found out that it's really that you're uh, more attached to their stomach. And they're, they take care of you and see that uh, you move through the experience safely. Well, it reminded her of that. And she said to us, I would never in my life have willingly jumped out of a plane. And this reminded me of that. But she essentially said, I didn't have a better offer at the time. And so I said, yes. And we flew away from there. Well, if you followed my podcast and other stories that are listed in these books, you probably know that most of the people that we deal with have been at uh, a level of the afterlife that is particularly therapeutic for people that died violently and need a chance to rest and recuperate a bit. That was the case for her. Although I think she moved pretty quickly. Uh, in fact, she even told us, you know, we always ask their permission later in a second uh, time together, if we can have their permission to use their story. She said in passing that she hoped that the people that intruded upon her home and took her life, she wondered, she said she they probably didn't think they were going to take my life that day. I think they were probably just looking for money or something that they could turn into drugs. She said, I hope they find what they're after, or even better, that they find what they really need that would be really good for them. She was a compassionate soul even towards people that in, invaded her home and caused her death. So somebody that I'd, I'd like to know better. I'm glad that I get to know her as much as I do. Anyway, she, in her, after immediately after her death, was brought to a place of healing. It sounded like she didn't need an awful lot. She just needed a chance to rest and regroup. She didn't go into a lot of detail about moving through it sequentially or whatever. It sounded like she didn't need an awful lot, but she made our her way to, to us. My prayer partners and I, I often say, are sort of like the discharge staff in a medical center. When you have healed sufficiently that you don't need to be here any longer, we're the ones who kind of help you gather yourself and get out the door. But because you're going to be going to a place you've not been before, you're going to need a guide. Well, Claire had been well prepared for the experience that we might be able to provide her. And we were kind of famous for asking the question, can you think of anyone who died before you did who you know loved you? I 
came upon that very early on because these people had all been through trauma. And so I thought it best if whoever came for them was someone very familiar and loved, where that would have a calming effect. So that's what we asked her. And she knew she was going to be asked that. Well, she said, well, my sister, Celie, I think it was Cecilia Marie or Cecilia Ann, something like that. Cecilia, anyway, went by Celie. And she said, she died a young woman. I've been talking to her photograph for the last 40 years. If I could pick anybody that would come for me, it would be Celie. So we just paused for a little bit, went into a little more focused prayer and said, God, if it's possible, Claire would like to be greeted by her sister, Celie. And it didn't take more than 10 seconds before Claire said, oh my God, look at her. We always have to ask them, please, to describe what they're seeing because I don't see what they see. But she said, look at her. She looks like a little tart. Well, she went on to say that Celie always had a dream of being a stewardess before they were called flight attendants. She wanted to be a stewardess, never got to do it. But she said, you remember when the airlines were younger and they made all the stewardesses be really thin and they made them wear these little uh, sexy little outfits. The one that, that uh, her sister was wearing had a, a tight little belt and she struggled with the word epaulette. She was saying those things that are on a shoulder of like a military or a band uniform that have a little bit of tassels or make you look like you're um, a captain. Anyway, it was the word epaulette, and that was what she was describing. So she's describing this uh, like early 50s stewardess. She said she's on one of those planes that have a little staircase that you have to climb up in in order to get in it. She's standing up at the top, and she said she's holding a tray with an umbrella drink in it. She wants me to know that if I get on her plane, she I'm going to be riding in first class. She said... All I really knew, need to do is make myself solid enough to walk upstairs and, and she'll take it from there. She said, it's just girls having a little bit of fun. Well, I love that because the more of this work that I do, I think I always thought of the afterlife and of God as being fun, especially heaven being fun. And of that not being a generic kind of fun, that everybody had to have the same kind of fun, because we're not that way. Uh, we have lots of different uh, tastes and things that give us joy. But anyway, this was two girls having fun. So Claire uh, did ascend that little staircase up into her sister's plane and presumably enjoyed an umbrella drink on her way from one afterlife plane to the next. Is that just too outlandish for you? Well, it isn't for me. I, I just think uh, God and God's universe are wonder upon wonder, love upon love, so creative and 
so full of joy. The reason I've so loved this story is because remember, it was a, a home invasion and a sudden violent death, but it ends on such a happy note. And the really it, calling it an ending, well, it's an ending of a chapter that we got to be a part of, but then I think the fun really starts uh, when they get where they're going. You know, being in first class on a plane is uh, great as far as it goes, but you still hope you get to the place that is your destination anyway. So we haven't had a, an update from Claire or Celie and don't really need to. That For me, that'll be in the next life. But for right now, that's their story. Now, I told this story uh, in this book, Afterlife Interrupted, book two. And that book has now been out there for three years. So it's been, the story has been received by lots of people. I've also told it on as a guest on other people's podcasts. And a couple of years ago, I told that story on a podcast and it was heard by somebody who had lost family members to a home invasion, who then contacted me and started a whole series of uh, beautiful, miraculous things. As we have broken down these stories, when I tell one of these stories, I do it in three parts. I do, first of all, what I have just done here, tell the basics of the story which you can get in greater detail simply by uh, reading or listening to Afterlife Interrupted Book Two. The second component next week's podcast will be what we call compassionate response, and compassion means to suffer with. So how we respond to someone who's been through some sort of suffering that um, somehow is similar to what happened in this story. And then the third component is what we call spiritual practice that arises from this story, something that's from the Catholic Christian tradition and the way that I uh, am, think, pray. So uh, in the next couple of podcasts, you'll be hearing from a special guest who, like you, first heard of this on a podcast and found that it was life-changing. So I hope you'll tune in for the next episode of The Joyful Friar, when we'll go in deeper into the story of Claire and Celie the stewardess and the impact that their sharing of their story had on some people who I've come to love very much. But for now, that's it for today. If you'd like to be in touch with me, uh, you can do that through my website, nathan-castle.com. I'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joyful Friar. You can visit me at nathan-castle.com. Send me a message by clicking the contact button. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a donation by clicking the donate button. See you next time. God bless.